I couldn't have said it any better. It really worked. It was tremendous. Just absolutely tremendous. Right. I can't even get the words out. Was that terrific and right. tremendous in one? Right. That's right. It's your podcast, not mine. <laughs> Welcome to So Sorry for Your Loss, a podcast about grief and loss and the laughter and growth that you can have along the way. I'm your host, Gianna Demedio. The last time I checked in, I was about 100 days out from the wedding. And now I am six weeks after the wedding, and it was just amazing. It was more than I could have ever asked for, but also a really great experience in terms of my grief. I am feeling like a new woman getting through that experience. I think that it was something that I really needed to get through in order to close a chapter, honestly, maybe even an entire book of my grief. It was, you know, getting married is something that every girl thinks about their whole life. And when my dad passed away, that was one of the biggest questions in my head is how am I supposed to get through a wedding without him? Like that doesn't even compute. That doesn't, you're not supposed to get married without your parents being there. So for me to get through this experience, I think it really helped me see how far I've come. And it was really rejuvenating for my soul. I I know that sounds super cheesy, but that's really how I felt. It was a testament to my growth and my strength and just being able to be present during the wedding and to still really enjoy it. I mean, enjoy is like an understatement. I had the best freaking time of my life and I feel good. I feel really good. As some of you may know, my now husband, Mark, his mother also passed away a few months into our engagement. So he going through this too was an extra thing that was really difficult for us. We were both trying to manage each other's grief and each other's emotions throughout the planning phase. But I think we did a really good job at it. And every person's grief is different. And even us being one couple, our grief was different, you know, just because we love each other and we're very much similar. We've decided to marry each other, of course, but how we approached grief was very different. So I thought it'd be really helpful to bring him on the show and to talk with him about that a little bit. I've had people reach out to me about this topic, which I was excited to see because it was something that I wanted to talk about anyway when we got back from the wedding. But then to see that people really had a want and a need to know this information, people that are planning weddings themselves and are saying to me, oh my God, how did you do this? I'm miserable. I can't believe I have six more months to go. Like, how do I get through this? I sat down and thought about it. And there are some key points that I have. So in this interview, I talk with Mark and I am going to put some of this information up on the blog so that you can refer to it. If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me, especially Instagram. That's always a good way to go to at Gianna.de. And I'll help you with planning. I promise. I promise it's going to be okay. Without further ado, I'll get to the interview with my husband and I. Everything went smoothly. All our friends and family had a great time. And we really balanced a good mix of reflection and remembrance with excitement in the future. As great as everything was there, it was definitely an interesting road getting there. And that is something that I had always said I wanted to talk about here on So Sorry for Your Loss. Is there something in the planning process that you thought was the most difficult? I thought the first time we went back to 
start planning because that was the last place we were at when my mom was with us. And one of the reasons we had it there was the connection we still felt with her and the venue. But it was hard to go back the first time and say, we're going to be moving forward and having a big part of that missing. I remember you on that trip. I think was the first time it really hit you. This was so this was in December. So your mom passed in November. We went in December and it was the first time I think it really hit you that she wasn't going to be there. It was very weird. We would walk past this area inside of the lobby where I remember having tea and I would kind of do a double take because I was expecting her to just be sitting there and it took me a good week to get my head around the fact that she wasn't going to be sitting there and getting myself comfortable with being uncomfortable and then being more comfortable with our future there and and getting into the planning of the wedding. So I've talked about before how I felt at our engagement party that I wasn't really present and I couldn't really feel that joy and that excitement that I wanted to feel. And I pretty much cast that onto the wedding and felt that that was how I was going to feel for that whole event. So for me, the engagement party was, a, I feel, a turning point that kind of made it worse. Do you feel like that one time that we went to the Bahamas the first time after your mom passed, like kind of made it real for you and made it a little bit worse? It might have. I think that going back and going back to the venue and putting myself into that environment, I think we went back four times before we actually went the fifth time to get married. And even when we went that time, we were there three, four days early mm-hmm. that it made me comfortable walking the halls, walking down the stairs where we were going to walk for the wedding, sitting at the beach in the area where we were going to have the rehearsal dinner, uh, sitting near the pool where we were going to have the cocktail party, walking into the ballroom, making myself familiar with the locations and putting myself in them made me much more comfortable on the day of and got the whole fear and anxiety around yeah. doing the wedding out of my system before I actually did the wedding. I think that's a great point and something that I can really attribute to my success in being able to get through the wedding is the amount of times that we were able to go there and get used to the place. I think I was able to visualize what it would be like that day walking down the aisle And knowing that I was only going to be able to do it with my mom, I was able to create that memory before it happened. I've talked about how I've had this image in my head since I was a little girl of walking down the aisle with my dad, but it was kind of this like innocuous ballroom setting, never in the Bahamas with palm trees around it. So I was able to create a new like image in my head for what that was going to be by us being able to go there so much and really familiarize ourselves with the surroundings. Yeah, I think that's like anything in my business. We always try to take the client into the courtroom the day or two before and put them up on the stand and pretend that they're in there and pretend to ask them questions because they're extremely nervous when they actually show up on the real court day. So as many times as we can get them in there and prepare them helps take away the anxiety of the actual event and helps them actually bring out the uh, positive things that they're going to share with the jury or in our case, what we share with each other and our friends and family. So another thing that I think was one of the biggest things that really helped, and this is what I've told others, is it's all about taking control of the narrative in your head 
And it could easily be a very somber thing where everybody's like, oh gosh, I'm really sorry. This has to be really hard for you and Mark right now. And I wanted to scream back, yeah, it's really hard. This is not the way that either of us thought that we were going to be planning this. But I think what I started to do was like, yeah, it's been difficult, but you know what? Both of our parents, they would have never missed a good time. So we know that they're there and we're going to make sure they're remembered and they're definitely going to be a part of our day no matter what. So I think that making sure you kind of come up with something in your head that makes you comfortable for how to respond to those things was helpful for me in the process. Yeah, I think that the people are always going to feed off of the attitude, energy and dialogue of the bride and groom. And yeah. so from the jump, even during the planning, we would tell people, we have just an incredible weekend planned. You know, we're going to party. We're going to honor our family, but we're going to have a great time. And it's going to be a vacation for everybody. They were comfortable mm-hmm. that they thought we were comfortable. Yeah. And I think it was very easy for people to come in walking on eggshells, not knowing if we were going to be emotionally stable. So, yes, you brought up a good point of us just kind of being raring and ready to go, showed them, all right, they're okay. I can feed off of that energy and have fun and let loose and not feel like I'm being disrespectful to the situation at hand that their parents aren't here right now. Yeah, I think that even though the first official event was the welcome party, really the first event was us communicating with all of our guests 8, 10, 12, 15 weeks before as we saw them or emailed them or talked to them and pushing this dialogue, which was true, that we're going to honor those that are not here, but we're there to have a good time. Mm -hmm. We're there to share our love. And so that first step of controlling the dialogue or setting out the dialogue, which you did through the wedding website, Mm -hmm. you really spread the word of what the theme, what the focus what the energy was going to be. And then when we both... And you helped spread the word that there was going to be a DJ with a nitrogen gun that was going to be shooting champagne into the air (laughs) and that it was going to be quite a party. So you got everybody raring to go for that. Well, you told me I could pick one thing for the weekend and I knew I wasn't going to be able to pick (laughs) the ceremony or the flowers or the food. You had a lot of say in the ceremony. I did. We, We had a very collaborative effort and I think that doing and planning the wedding was a real feather in our cap and that it was a great opportunity for us to work together. Well, we planned three funerals, so it was a good chance to do something nice. (laughs) So all I wanted was a DJ to play on a platform in the middle of the pool (laughs) with one of those nitrogen bam, bam, bam guns. And everything else. Oh, and I wanted to marry you, but not in that particular order. I mean, I wanted to marry you first and then have a DJ shoot nitrous oxide onto the crowd <laughs> in the pool. And both were extremely successful. All right. Getting back on track for a second. Um, there are a couple other things that I think are worth pointing out that were helpful to know and just be aware of in the wedding planning process. One of them being the conversations with the vendors. This was something that was really difficult for me, and I really leaned on you for this. We got to the point where, like, everyone in our friends and family and even people locally in the community basically had known what had happened to us. For my dad, it had been about a year, a year and a half when we started really planning. 
for your mom, she was just extremely well known in the region and everybody knew what had happened. But going down to the Bahamas, people aren't aware of this. So when we're reaching out to vendors, we had to start that story all over again. And we had to make sure that they were aware, hey, my dad passed away. Hey, my mom passed away. Please don't include that in flowers. Please don't ask us about the father of the bride dance. And for me, that was really difficult to relive those conversations. And then also when they didn't remember and it was something that kept coming up. I think I had told you that the day of the wedding, they had come to the bridal suite first and given us the flowers. And there was one extra corsage and the woman said she was going to bring it downstairs to the groom suite. She assumed that Mark's mom was down there. And I took the corsage and threw it across the room. And so I was like, do not bring this downstairs to him. I don't want him to see this. You know, just trying to be mindful of all those things. And I know that they're only human and they're doing the best that they can. But that is my biggest advice for other brides and grooms is just to to know that that's something that you're going to have to face. Because I think I was a little jarred by it. Yeah, it was first. much more of a trigger to you than it was to me. I realized that they're doing a hundred weddings a year. And while we did spend a lot of time with our vendors planning and spending time in the Bahamas as a way to quote unquote plan, even though we had a vacation every couple of weeks, uh, I I didn't, I didn't put it on them that they were going to make a mistake. I knew they would. And it's just, that's how life is. So I wasn't as triggered as you were or so worried as you were every time they were to say accidentally, we're now going to introduce after you know the bridal party, the father of the bride, the mother of the groom. Which is, this is not a, just a example. This is a real thing that happened. Mark and I were sitting in the like little area that they had for the bride and groom right before we were about to walk out into our reception. And the DJ, God love you, Kirk. The DJ asked, okay, so am I introducing the father of the bride after the mother of the bride? To which I looked at him and I believe offered him physical harm <laughs> if he were to say that. But you had the, Mark, you had the best response to that. I, I think I said <laughs> that would really make some party if he walked through the door. <laughs> and then the DJ actually got that right, but then actually forgot to introduce my father. Right. right who is still with us. Right. I think I scared him to death to say anything about any father. So he just forgot Mark's right. dad. He just said... And everybody else who's in the, the bridal <laughs> party or friends or family, just walk in now. So that was definitely something that took a lot of mustering up of emotions to get through. Second I want to talk about is you and I kind of differed in how we wanted to honor our parents. Yeah. I wanted to do a lot. Not a lot. I didn't want it to be tacky, but I wanted to feel my dad was represented and that he was there. I thought that it was about us. It was about our love. It was our day. I didn't want it to be about, it was never about, our dialogue was never focused on that our parents aren't here. It was that our parents are here. Mm -hmm. They're just not physically here. Like you wanted to have empty chairs for them. I really didn't want to do that. We did light a candle for each of them, but we made it about us. In the ceremony. Yeah. And also since we were going to, read our own vows to each other that you know, we wrote for each other. I knew that our parents that would be very much a part of those. And also because there was such a 
feeling of my mom being there and your dad watching from above that I thought that we could honor them without calling them out. Well, so that's where I think we completely switched. So I went into the game thinking I want to honor him. I want him to be there. I want to have an empty chair for him. I wanted to have pictures around the reception. There were things that I wanted to do that you didn't want to do. Then when it came time for the vows, I said maybe two things about it. And you, I felt like went all in and talked a lot about your mom and the losses that you and I both had and getting through it together and how we've supported each other through it. I mean, there was not one dry eye in our audience and our with our guests. I felt and tell me if this is correct. I felt that maybe it was like at the last minute you felt you needed to have a little bit more of her and of what happened in there. And is that why you decided? No, you're much more of a preparer than I am. I wrote my vows, the majority of them, after the welcome reception that night from about midnight to 3 a.m., the night before our wedding. (laughs) And I just went with what came to me. And I think that the way that I spoke about the loss of my mom was more from a, a place of how you helped me to not only bring me close to her at the end, but also to work my way through it after she passed. So it was more about the closest I felt to you and the bond that I felt with you and the hand that you put on my back to push me through it. Mm-hmm and not about the loss of my mom. And we're going to have to watch the video of our vows when it gets here because I don't really remember what you said. You don't really remember what I said. It was very emotional in the moment. I don't remember word for word, but I remember holding your hand as you started saying them, being like, oh, my God, 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 because you were going so deep into emotion, much deeper than I expected you to go and I was really really proud of you for doing so but I was really caught off guard because you had been so much like this is about us this is about our wedding this is our day we don't want to make it somber we don't want to make it this or whatever so but I, I I'm really proud of you for doing that because and and that's something that I want to point out to everyone listening that is the opportunity to get these things out you never get to have this experience again you never get to stand up at that altar again you never get to have the reception and have the things out and really think about it to yourself, what it is that is important to you and what you want to have there to reflect the person or the people that are not in your life anymore. And I would say, even if you're not a good public speaker, even if you're scared, if you can try, try and read your own vows, because it is an emotional experience that connected me to you more than anything, mm-hmm. close to anything I could remember. But speaking to you from my heart, even using notes, uh, you were able to do it without notes, which is incredible. <laughs> but if you can take five minutes, two minutes, one minute, and even if you have to read it. And it's emotional and it doesn't need to be perfect. So if you can't get through it or you're, you're not the best public speaker, that's okay. That's you being you. Yeah, I thought it really brought all of our guests into our space. They felt close to your dad. They felt close to my mom. I also think having all of our family there, the people that went through these losses with us, 
it was a great way for them to see that we're okay and that we're marrying someone that's going to support us through this. And I think that was really a great way to kick off the rest of the party that both families have felt we've been through a lot. (laughs) We just want to throw back a drink, get on the dance floor and be able to celebrate something good. We've been through a lot. And I think being able to see the two of us together being okay and coming to terms with our emotions in that moment up at the altar, you know, something that we that I personally dreaded from the minute my dad passed. It was a, it was a really great step, almost like a um, almost like closing a chapter, I felt. Yeah. And I'm sure you'll get to this point, but I agree with you because now it's been six weeks and I think about my mom, but I don't think about her like I thought about her before the wedding. Like I believe that it was a big part of the healing to mm-hmm. not only get through the wedding to survive it, but to thrive and to share the things I shared with you, know, you and, and our guests. And it's almost like I'm okay. Like I can put my thoughts and memories about her in a happy light, in a good light. And of course it's sad, but I have been much better when I think about my mom or your dad since the wedding than I did the six months or so before the wedding since my mom passed and the year and a half before the wedding since your dad passed. It's almost like we closed one chapter of grief and opened up a chapter of remembrance. Yeah. That's a great way to put that. I really agree with that. And I've wrote about this on So Sorry for Your Lost blog before that going to weddings has been a very severe trigger for grief in the past. And we have another wedding coming up in two weeks. And I'm wondering if that's going to be different now that we've gotten through it, now that we've done it ourselves. You know, I don't have to look at the father-daughter dance. And first of all, I didn't look at it. I would always just leave the room or run to the bathroom and throw up or emotions would just take over and it would be horrible. But that moment would be so overwhelming for me because I knew that I would never get that. But now that we've had the wedding and I feel comfortable with the ways that he was involved in my wedding, even though he wasn't there physically, I wonder if that will be easier. Another thing I want to go into is relying on other people. And, you know, we talk about this with grief that everybody wants to help. They don't really know what to do and what exactly that is. And sometimes it's hard for the person that is affected by grief to be able to come up with something to have them help. But I think we did a really good job of balancing how much we took on ourselves and how much we outsource to other people, whether that be the vendors or shamelessly asking friends to help with some of the most random things about planning. Like I had asked Blair, one of my best friends, who wasn't going to be able to come because she was pregnant, to put together like a emergency kit for the day of the wedding for us to have in the suite. And it was just simple stuff that she, you know, I think she ordered on Amazon. She went to CBS. And I could have easily done that, but it was so nice to just be able to be like, hey, do you mind doing this for me? And it was super easy and something that was really great for me to have on the day of. Down to, you know, there was a lot of stuff that I probably could have done DIY, but Mark looked at me and was like, can you please just order that on Etsy? Or can you just get somebody else to do it? You do not need to be putting yourself through that. And at the end of the day, I think that was really the best move. It was the best way to mitigate our stress level 
because we already had so much stress in the background with the emotions. So for those going through it, I really encourage you to check in with yourself like every day during this process and just make sure that you're giving yourself the breaks that you need or if you need to be in control of everything and you need to be doing things hands on, if that's the type of person that you are and that's what you need to get through your grief, then go ahead. But to check in with yourself. Yeah, and I would agree with that. I think that the emotional cost of doing some of the things yourself is so much higher tenfold, twentyfold, thirtyfold than the financial cost. Being or having your emotions back right. is so much more valuable. As your mom would say, you can't take it with you. So having a little less money in your pocket is gonna be totally worth having so much more happiness in the planning process. Yeah, and I think if you don't outsource the kind of meat and potato stuff, like your vows or the letter you write to your significant other the night before, or what you say to your groomsmen or bridesmaids, as long as you don't outsource the core things that you actually do share your feelings and your emotions with the people closest to you, you don't have to sit up all night putting 27 jelly beans in each jar <laughs> for party favors. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Hire somebody for $8 or $10 an hour or whatever the minimum wage is in your town and have them count the damn jelly beans out because nobody gets a gold star for doing their own jelly bean party favors. Right. Or, and taking that time that it would have otherwise taken you to do that and just do whatever it is that you need for yourself. Take a nap. Go for a run. Take a bubble bath. Those all sound good. Close the door and rock out to your favorite song. That's all you need to do. <laughs> so with that, I mean, I think we're feeling pretty good, huh? Taking our temperature six weeks out, we're in a good place. Yeah, I, I'm excited for the future. I, it still doesn't register that we're married. It's almost like we're still dating. I know. And, uh, I love it. You, what are we doing tomorrow? And I hope you like me in the morning, which you do most mornings. Most mornings. Yeah. I feel very good about not only our relationship and getting through this, but that the wedding was what we wanted it to be, not just with the event that it was, but in terms of our grief and remembrance of our, of our parents. And I really felt that they were there. And I really felt that they were able to see the happiness that we had and just know I just knew that that was all they ever wanted for us. So that in itself and for everyone out there, I think that's what you can hang your hat on at the end of the day is that the loved ones who aren't there with you at your wedding would have only wanted you to be happy and to enjoy it. So if you can even just force yourself to be happy for them, then that's great. All right. Thanks, hubs. You're welcome. Love you. Love you. Thanks for listening to So Sorry for Your Loss. Check out the blog at www.giannademedio.com SSFYL and connect with me on social. You can find it on the site. Thanks. Thanks.